It's March in Toronto and the slush is here. It's basically a seasonal ritual, just like PDAC, which is a massive mining conference that brings thousands of people to the city from all over the world. This is a chance to reflect on what's been happening with commodity prices, which tell a story about what's happening in the world. 2021, in retrospect, feels in many ways like a year when exuberance about battery metals and the EV transition reached a peak. You saw lithium, cobalt, base metals all shoot up in price, but the past 12 months were different. And I spoke to Jeff Colleen, the Director of Policy and Programs of PDAC, which by the way, stands for the Prospectors and Developers Association of Canada, about some of the plots and subplots in commodity markets. I'm Gabe Friedman, and you're listening to Down to Business, which is releasing a special series of episodes over the next week about mining and minerals. As always, this is edited for clarity and brevity. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Gabe. Cool. Thanks for coming on the show. So if 2021 was a spectacular year for commodities, 2022 was a little bit weirder. Who were some of the big winners and some of the losers? Looking back at 2022, it was a very different year from sort of the metals trajectories that we saw in 2021. In particular, the split between two of the headline battery metals is, is really stark. Uh, we've seen lithium continue to move higher. For the bulk of 2022, it was, it was moving higher at, a, at an accelerated pace. And, you know, seeing that price up a couple hundred percent over the course of the year relative to cobalt, which was actually down. You know, we saw cobalt prices fall in excess of 25% over the course of that year. So that was a real marked change from, from what we've seen from the last few years of those two metals moving in step. That is a really interesting storyline. So you have lithium and cobalt. They're both necessary for batteries. In 2022, they split. And really, for the past five years until 2022, they had kind of moved in tandem. Any sort of explanation or idea why they may have split last year? Our best assessment would be it's that foreshadow to what future demand outlook is going to look like or what future demands are going to be. Uh, we did see in 2021 uh, announcements coming out of some of the, the tech sector, Panasonic, Sony, the automotive sector, and Tesla, with companies starting to suggest they're going to reduce their cobalt consumption in, in batteries, uh, in an electric vehicle batteries and tech batteries generally. So it seems that the overall market view on where the cobalt demand is going to be is, is definitely differentiated from, from lithium. The concept of lithium being that primary source material or mineral for batteries into the longer term future seems to be held uh, strong, whereas, you know, the overall expectations for cobalt use is, is really starting to waver. Right. Lithium, there's a lot of places lithium is produced in the world. It's produced all over South America, et cetera. Cobalt, the majority of it comes from one country, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And there's a lot of human rights abuses and concerns associated with cobalt. And so the theory is that companies are what? Concerned about cobalt supply and thinking about future battery chemistries that'll be less dependent on cobalt? That's, that's quite likely. And that seems to be playing out uh, in the marketplace. I mean, whether it's the social concerns that may be in and around one area of extraction or whether it's just the supply chain and securing the ability to, to source that material into the future for your own product lines. So, you know, both of those things are probably quite uh, front and center for, for major manufacturers. Yeah, I do wonder if they won't find that they need cobalt and some of those prices come back up. Let's turn, though, to base metals. In your report about the past year, you guys wrote that most base metals were under pressure, but not nickel. That's true. We did see nickel up uh, materially over the course of 2022. I think the price was up about 40, 43% in the year, whereas copper, zinc, some of the other major uh, base metals were, were down 10% plus over that time. So, you know, again, I think this could be a foreshadow into what future demands may look like. The assumption that you know, there could be an assumption that the overall uh, use for nickel in, in some of that material is climbing. 
That said, though, it's quite likely that some of the security pressures in Europe and the conflict in Europe has had some impact on nickel prices. Uh, obviously, Russia is, a, is a one major source of nickel production on an annual basis. The Ukraine is also, uh, along with Russia, a major source of, of stainless steel production. So it could be a bit of a, a supply constraint uh, factor that's, that's impacting the nickel price in particular. Yeah, that was an interesting point. There is a staggering increase in demand for nickel because of lithium-ion batteries. But the nickel market is so big that most analysts don't think it's actually had a material effect on nickel yet, which was kind of an interesting check on the exuberance around battery metals. I think that's fair. And I think it's also fair to say, as we've been kind of talking here about the changing potential change in inputs in, into batteries, you know, there there isn't a real good understanding of where technology might be in 10 years from now. And so, you know, we're certainly conscious of that at PDAC, thinking about where supply and demand may flow in, into the future. And, and, you know, it could very well likely see, uh, you know, price pressures return to some of the more traditional base metals. You know, I think the, the longer term outlook for copper is quite robust, according to most market analysts, thinking about electrification and what that means relative to the current annual production levels around the world. So, we, we could see this sort of uh, long-term view start to translate into other metals as we, we go into through 2023. Interesting. So it was also a year like the headline sort of economic trends, rising interest rates and inflation. How did that affect the mining sector? If we just look at the amount of uh, financing, the amount of investment activity that's gone in and around the sector over 2022, it was quite a bit of a slowdown in terms of money coming into the sector relative to a year prior. Uh, and I would say it was in step with uh, a lot of the equity valuations and the slowdown in the overall marketplace uh, outside of the mineral industry. If we think of the amount of equity raised 2021, you know, around the globe, it was over $34 billion. And that was effectively halved year over year into 2022. So you know, we're seeing that overall general market slowdown uh, translate directly into the mineral space, for sure. Now we're going to pause a minute for a short break. So the total equity raised by mining companies around the world, including exploration companies, was about $34 billion in 2021, and it was about half that in 2022. That's correct. If we also look at the, the amount of debt moving into the sector as well, we, we did see that decline at not quite as fast a rate, but that went from 31 billion in 2021 to 25 in 2022. So, you know, the overall amount of funds going into the sector from one year to the next, you know, declined by about half. So I think it was like in 2020, Australia overtook Canada for the top position in terms of fundraising for mining companies, where, where mining companies are emanating from. But in the last year, Canada had a more modest slowdown compared to Australia. Based on the numbers that we see, Gabe, that, that is the case. Uh, you're right. We did see 2019 into 2020 for the first time ever, as, as, as far as we can tell. The amount of funds raised on the ASX in Australia for the sector exceeded Canada, exceeded the TSX and the TSXB. And that's been the case now for three years running, 2020, 21, and 22. But as you pointed out, the level of decline of those funds going into those different marketplaces, we're definitely seen to be better protected here in Canada. Just to give you some specific numbers, there was about $9.5 billion raised in the Australian marketplace in 2021. That went down to about 5.8 in 2022. If we look at Canada as a comparative, it was about $7.7 billion in 2021, down to just under $5 billion in 2022. So both down, you know, both in a negative direction, but the pace of slowdown in Canada is much less than what we've seen in Australia or elsewhere. It really calls back to some of the incentives we have here in Canada that helps to protect our marketplace, you know, the, the well-developed financial service ecosystem we have around the mineral sector, the flow-through share regime, 
the mineral exploration tax credit, and even the new critical minerals exploration tax credit that was just launched at the end of, of last year. Those do have an impact on our market. If we look at the amount of equity raised in Canada through that flow-through share regime in 2021, it was over a billion and a half dollars. Now, that's money that goes back into the ground in Canada within 18 months, and and that is an incentive to generate money within the Canadian marketplace and retain it within Canada. It was interesting to look around and see, like, where exploration was occurring. When you look at the share of expenditures over the past 10 years, 27% Latin America, but Besides Latin America, 15% in Canada, 15% in Australia, those are the two highest other jurisdictions. We've even seen that number climbing materially in the last three or four years. If we look at one of the figures we put in our, our recent update, last year, if you look at the proportion of exploration spending that went into the ground, uh, Canada actually received about 20% or about one-fifth of all dollars going into the ground in the world. So. That 15% over the 10-year average is, is a fantastic number uh, to reflect on. And, and seeing that number climbing in the last uh, three or four years here is always a positive signal. Another thing that I thought was interesting was when you look at sort of what's being explored for, the 10-year average gold is still the sort of what most people are exploring for. It's 49%. 2022, it was even above the 10-year average. Battery metals, only 4% in 2022 of all exploration, which... I, I guess that makes sense, but it also felt quite low. Yeah, you know, battery metals below 4%. I, I would want to couch that and say that if you started looping in uh, the amount of expiration into copper or nickel, you consider those battery components, then that, that would elevate that number. But you're right. When we think of cobalt, lithium, rare earths, graphite, a lot of those, you know, major components, the battery components, it, they do only garner about 4% of global expenditures, a little less than that when we looked at Canada last year. And so... Certainly gold dominates the exploration sector. I don't think there's anything that can change the realities that a new gold discovery, the potential time to market, and possibly even you know the capital to get it launched and up and running are often more appealing return on investment and those sorts of things. So, you know, that's part of the reason why I think when we look at early expiration spending, gold does dominate. You know, the potential for a return on that dollar the investor's putting in seems more apparent often with a gold project. That being said, though, we are starting to see those numbers turn a bit over the last five years. Uh, if we look back to, say, 2015, there would have been you know, less than 2% for sure in global expenditures going towards critical minerals like rares, cobalt, lithium. Uh, so seeing that increase you know, three or fourfold over that, uh, that five or seven year period is a positive. That's amazing. Maybe just a last question for you. A couple things we haven't mentioned here. Last year, I think the pandemic was still sort of in the headlines the idea that we were recovering from the pandemic. So I guess we're just another year into a recovery. We also haven't really talked about sort of global geopolitics. And there were some companies that were forced to eliminate Chinese investors from their shareholder base. Any last thoughts about kind of future trends that people should keep an eye on? I think, you know, we'd be remiss to just focus in on critical minerals here for a moment, Gabe. And that's certainly a theme we've seen throughout the news in in the last year in the industry. It's definitely a theme you'll see interwoven through the PDC convention coming up March, March 5th, 8th. And it's a theme we're seeing talked about at media and and government levels all across the world. So I think that's a theme you'll, you'll see dominate this year and into next year. The security of supply chains that go along with those critical minerals has also become a prominent issue. And whether it's cobalt, lithium, or, or traditional minerals, you know, governments around the world are starting to think long and hard about their long-term needs and where those materials are going to come from. So for Canadian explorers or Canadian companies or even the Canadian government, they're, they're starting to 
puts her hard questions in front of themselves. And those answers mean that there may have to be changes, whether that's in public policy or whether it's in the fiscal policy, like we've talked about with financial incentives or investment incentives. So when it comes to Canadian companies working in the critical mineral space, you know, I think there is real potential there over, over the next number of years. Whether there's changes to the investment landscape for Canadian operators, we'll be paying very close attention to that. Ultimately, access to capital is, is top of mind for most junior exploration companies out there. And so thinking of our members, that's something that we take very close attention to. So as you pointed out, the recent divestitures announced late last year, new amendments to the Investment Canada Act, that's something PDC will track very closely and then certainly have comments for, for government as it moves its way through that legislative process. Thank you so much, Jeff. That was Jeff Colleen, Director of Policy and Programs for the Prospectors and Developers Association of Canada, which puts on one of the biggest mining exploration conferences in the world this week. Thanks for listening to Down to Business. Bryce Hall composed and performed the original music, designed our logo, and took an executive production role on this episode. Pamela Heaven, Victoria Wells, and Noella Ovid provided web support and editing. I'm Gabe Friedman, and I'll be back with more episodes 